everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Mondo Show. I have a very special guest. They done messed up and put two Latinos together. Hey, Dr. Juan. Hey. Listen, I like New York J. Hey, that's what I Hey, stay Dr. Juan, I feel like I'm going to be in counseling. Oh, I was like, man. I got I to talk about all my no, problems. Man. New hey. York J Come is on. all about the shoes. Now, what, man? <laughs> you Listen, I don't even know what to say. This is as far as I go right there. Hey, come on. You're going to have a little bit of the bling. My wife keeps me blingy. Oh, man, we're going to have a great time. I believe that this hour that we're in right now is all about the power of testimony. Come and on. when you understand the testimony about your life, you understand that the message that comes out of the mess changes everything. My life was a mess for a long time until my sister walked into my world and prophesied three of the most powerful statements that changed my life. What if God is real? What if prayer works? What if you have a different destiny? That's, that was the catalyst to allow me to understand how does this God thing work? Has God been in my life all this time? And guess what? He has. I was just too focused on myself to realize that God had a plan for my life. The same way God has a plan for your life. I don't know where you're watching from. But thank God for the Voice of the Prophets Network, the PTL Network that is airing in Miami, Los Angeles, Pennsylvania, Dallas, Houston, all over America. A national syndicated television program hosted by an ex-gang member. Only God can put that together. I know you got your podcast and I know you have your YouTube. I get it. And I got mad respect. But it was hard to be in the space of television for an ex-gang member that the world said, lock him up and throw the key away, to now be a syndicated program all over America talking about Christ, talking about Jesus, talking about the power of restoration. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today on this program, because I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You just don't realize it because your life is a mess right now. Your life doesn't look the way you planned it in the beginning, but remember this. I love this. It's not how you start in life. It's how you're going to finish. The problem is this. When is your time coming? The end can be now. The end can be next week. Listen, I'm going to be sharing my story in the next few weeks because I have a book coming out, and I want you to pre-order the book today because I believe that my story is going to inspire you to understand, to go back in your life and look at all the times that God protected you God spoke to you, yet you were probably too busy. Maybe you were in pain and hurt, and you couldn't see or even hear the voice of God, yet God had been there all this time. My book is available for pre-order today. Amazon, Target, Walmart, Barnes & Noble, all the major marts. I cannot even believe that it's even happening. But through God, all things work together for Come good. On. So make sure you grab that. I want to share my life story with you, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some insights of the gang culture in Los Angeles, California. But more than that, I want to share with you the power of Christ coming into my life that changed everything. And like myself, my special guest has a book that only if you dare to read it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never known a man that can wear the shoes in this. I don't even know if you call them shoes, slippers, 
but they are something that grabbed my attention because beyond the yellow brick road, unlocking the promise of God, he was known to be New York J. Come on. Now he's doctor. <laughs> he's a pastor. He's an evangelist. He's a prophet. He's a man that fell in love with Christ. And I can tell you that when you follow him on Instagram, on you know, Facebook, and maybe even YouTube, I want you to know he's not your normal pastor. He's a man that can identify <laughs> with you. And I want you to meet him today, Dr. New York hey, Jay. what is going on, <laughs> man? I'm excited to be on the Mondo Show, man. Man. You got me pumped. Listen, what? I can't I, wait to read your book. <laughs> I'm excited. We were talking before, yeah. and finding God and staying with God is not normal to you and I. Yeah, facts. Because you and I made a decision to follow God in an unorthodox way yeah. that most people didn't know what to do with you, New yeah. York J. Totally. Tell me your story because I, I, I feel like I know you and I don't even know you. Yeah. I feel like you my brother. I feel <laughs> like if I was running the streets with you, We'd you be and I would have been in trouble. That wouldn't have been good. Yeah, that wouldn't have been good. We wouldn't have been free. We would have been locked up. But tell me, what happened, Jay? What happened to you? What happened that changed everything? Here you had money. Mm -hmm. You had the name, yeah. the reputation, yep. ladies, man, yep. Yep. everything that the, the street tells you to validate you, you had it. Yeah. But what happened? So, you know, I, I tell people when I got saved, it, I didn't have a worship team, a pastor, uh, none of that, man. I got saved uh, kind of like a Paul experience. You know, I, um, it was three phases. One of them, uh, I was in a car uh, at one time with this chick and we were going to go uh, pick up drugs, and so they wind up uh, robbing me. It was a setup, and so I get beat with the gun for about 30 minutes. Before you know it, you know, I, I believe this is the time where I cried out to the Lord, you know, because sometimes we try to create a formula, you know, but it's a, it was a true cry, right? I, I heard the, the gun clack, mm. and uh, so I thought I was going to get shot, so I, I didn't know how to talk to God I only because I was raised Catholic, you know, so I only knew the Our Father who are in heaven or the Hail Mary, right? So I hear the clack go back and I start yelling, Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And before you know it, they took my car and they left and never shot me. So I, I, I was totally beat up. I still got scars here and in the back. My lips kind of crooked because of it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so I got out of that. Um, but I still went and picked up drugs. Um, I didn't really understand what was going on, even though I had cried out right after that, a while after that, after I healed up a little, I'm in a car, and I start looking at the clouds. Now, I know some of y'all might think, like, what? The clouds? Uh, I start looking at the clouds. This I could count on my hands from the age of, like, 23 to 36 how many times I was sober. Because uh, most of my days I was high on something, you know. And so, you know, I, I, I winded up sitting in this car. I'm looking at the clouds, and, you know, everything kind of slow-mos. And, I, you know, I don't know, baptism of the Holy Spirit, I just start crying. And I hear a, a voice that says, why are you killing, stealing, and destroying the very lives I'm giving people? Mm. I didn't never read John 10, 10. I only knew John 3, 16, and that was because of communion and, you know, Catholicism, right? But I, I never really knew. But I heard that, and I was crying. They said, you're turning women into prostitutes. You're turning uh, men into, like, homeless people. And so I winded up, uh, it kind of, like, turned off. It was like a faucet turning off. And all of a sudden, man, I, I, they got me thinking. So I would go to places and drop off the drugs still because I, I didn't know how to do whatever it is I was hearing, 
You know, I just kept doing what I was doing, but I felt bad. When I handed it, it would be like, I would hear, she's going to become a prostitute because, you know, mm. she's going to do this. And so I started telling people, man, I feel like, I feel like God's talking to me. And they would be like, New York, you're tripping out, bro. Like, you know, you must be high. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> yes. Burning. So the way I get locked up this last time, it was, uh, I was selling meth. You know, that was a whole wild story on its own, How because I came to Texas on a dope deal. I didn't know anybody. I just jumped on a Greyhound and landed in Texas, McAllen, Texas, and knew nobody. I winded up getting extradited back. While I was getting extradited back, this guy told me about making a bunch of money. He gave me an address. And, you know, you're shackled like this, and you don't have a pen. And it took 18 days. So for 18 days, I would say 506 West 6th Street, Breckenridge, Texas, 76424. And they'd be like, New York. I said, shut up, 506 West 6th Street. When I got there, give me a pen. I wrote it down. That's how I wound up in Breckenridge. Are you with me? Wow. By, yeah, so it was a little bit of insanity in there. You know, I'm like, man, I said that address for 18 days. You know, I would go to sleep, wake up with the address, you know? So I'm, I'm in a small town called Breckenridge, Texas. I'm this guy that uh, grew up in Hoboken, Manhattan, and, uh, you know, Bronx, Brooklyn, uh, all the clubs, you know. And here I am in this small town. They introduced me to meth. To say all that, you know, I was trying to give you a little back end, but I wind up in this car, you know, I'm crying. Um, I'm telling every, you know, I feel like I heard God. Before you know it, I get incarcerated. I get incarcerated, and they kick in the door, aggravated robbery. And, you know, I, I had never um, did that. I sold drugs, and it, I would give people money to do that. You know, I never really had to do that myself. You know, you didn't get your hands dirty. And so um, I, I was yelling at the guy, I don't do that, I don't do that. I wind up. Being in a, this cell, uh, well, before I get locked up, they, they, they're behind the windows and they come out and they tell me like, yo, um, they go, what are you going to, uh, when are you going to tell us what you did? He says, so you were high, you know, because I'm doing the lie detector test. You were high and then all of a sudden you, you robbed a guy. And I said, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And so I started yelling, I'm a drug dealer. And they got all this. <laughs> So I get charged with under 250 grams. Of, <laughs> under oh 250 grams. So I wind up getting incarcerated. I, I tell them everything. Basically, I saw some receipts where I was at. So they give me, a, they were, I was facing 25 years. Wow. I wind up having four. While I'm there, I'm in Weatherford, Texas. Uh, there's, there's, you know, it's like a you like this, a you like this, and a mm -hmm. gate in the middle. And this guy comes and he's like, uh, hey, I'm here for you. And so I go, here for me. Now, remember, I had gone in that incident with the gun. I felt like I was hearing God through the clouds. And all of a sudden, here I am in jail, and this guy's telling me, here for me. He says, I'm a pastor. And I didn't know what a pastor was. I only knew a priest, bald-head yeah. guy with a collar. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I would go, pastor. He goes, yeah, you know, church and all that. Still confused. And I would go, bro, you locked up. <laughs> How you, you tell me you you here for me? You, you need this help. Is why, yeah. This is you why I help. love people from New York, man. <laughs> go, bro. You know, people from LA, you know, we're like, uh, no, New no. York people, they tell you straight up. Yeah, no, straight up. I'm like, how you gonna be here for me? <laughs> uh, if anything, I might be here for you, you know? And so, oh uh, my gosh. So this guy, man, he, you know, I, I go whatever and I walk yeah. away and I get in my cell. But I start thinking of the car, the thing, all that, and I go, here for me, here for me. And so the morning comes, and I look over there, and he's laid down on a blanket. Yeah. You know, he's on a blanket. He's prostrated down, kind of in a full expression of worship. And, I, and he doesn't get up, though. And so I go work out. He doesn't get up. I eat a soup. He's not up. You know, work out. You know, take a shower. It's an hour later. That dude finally gets up. I go like, yo. He's got my attention. Yeah. He's got my attention because he's 
he's doing something that I'm weirded out about realistically. And he told me about Ghana. I'm like, what's that dude doing on the floor? So when he comes to the gate, he says to me, hey, um, uh, I said, what were you doing? He said, I was praying. And so check it out. I go to him. How many of our fathers did you say, bro? Because <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know prayer. And at that moment, I go to myself, you know, because now he's got my attention. Mm. He was down there on the floor for an hour. I ain't never seen somebody do that. And for me, for you. Um, and then all the little, because yeah. God, will, you, you know, sometimes we think it's a suddenly. The suddenly is he's tried to get your attention a couple times. You just didn't listen. What was the pivot moment? That right there. That right. was the pivot. Yeah, I wind up going to my cell. He's got my attention. The guy tells me, read your Bible. And the way Beetlejuice, the, the guy, you know, gets grabbed to mm -hmm. the Super Bowl, okay, that happened to me with the Bible. I felt like I started reading Proverbs, and I felt for once in my life like God was speaking to me. And so I got on my knees, and I just started praying. And I, you know what? I never knew how to pray. Nobody had to tell me, like, repentance. I didn't know what that was, but I, I started, repentance is changing of your mind, right? Coming into agreement with what God says about a sin. I did that before I even knew what it was because I just, I just knew that I had, I'm sorry, God, for being an adulterer. I'm sorry, God, for, for what I've done with guns or what I've done with people or the people I've hurt. I'm sorry, God. I'm coming into agreement with the sin. Wow. Do you understand? Yeah, Before yeah. you know it, I get up, I come out. He's like, man, what happened? I said, man, I read my Bible. <laughs> he, he said, what'd you get out of it? I said, man, God. God. <laughs> he said, what'd you get out of it? He said, man, now you got to chew that thing like a Snickers bar. He said, when you get locked up yeah. and you eat a Snickers bar, he said, you just, out here, you eat a Snickers bar like that, yeah. right? In there, you take a bite yeah. and you kind of wrap it a little and you taste every layer. Yeah. Mm, you get the peanuts, the caramel, the chocolate. You with me? Because mm -hmm. you don't have 15 of them and you can't go to the store. Mm -hmm. So you got to savor that. He goes, that's how you got to read your word, man. You got to savor every little piece. It's like chewing the cud, one stomach digesting to the next, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, all right. Before you know it, you know, I, my wife thinks he's an angel because I got a pretty good memory and I don't remember that guy's name at all, not even the first letter. And uh, she's like, you got to mention the story, you know, because what if he's watching one day? Yeah. He's like, that guy would be so happy, but she thinks he's an angel. So I, you know, I go to the cell. I, I'm, they, I had favor in prison. It was weird. They make me like head cook, you know, all that stuff. I like Joseph, but Juan says. <laughs> and so I, I wind up in all these places, man, doing oh, all like man. the good jobs. And so then they wind up mm. telling me like, I go, hey, I told the guard, can I take him some extra food? He's like, uh, sure. So I go and they go, bro, the guy's, he's innocent. What had happened was his wife was still, his ex-wife was still on drugs. She came, oh, they got into an argument. She threw the drugs, the crack pipe under his seat. And when the cops came because of the argument, he got arrested. And he told me that story and I didn't believe it. I believe it now because he was gone. He, he didn't, he didn't get, he didn't go to prison, prison, you know? I got to ask you this. And you're going to be joining me for a second program because yeah. there's so much to talk about. And if you're watching Absolutely. right now, if you just tuned in, you're hearing a powerful story that I hope you're relating to it because in so many different ways, you may have that experience yet not understand what's happening. You probably don't understand the God moments in your life that spared your life. You may be in a situation that you don't understand right now, but what if that situation is the moment that is a mm. pivot moment for you? See, what happens is that we confuse God's wilderness with a different place. I found out through this Bible, and I'm sure you have a Bible at home that grandma gave you, <laughs> dust it off and begin to understand that the will of God for your life is going to be found in the wilderness. The will 
wilderness. God's will is in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. You'll get it. <laughs> Understand this, that most of the encounters that m- everyone had was in the wilderness moment, was at a breaking point moment. It was not a, a, a moment that everyone was celebrating. As a matter of fact, that probably would have been a distraction. And there's so many distractions around you right now that you cannot hear God. You can't understand the pivot moments in your life. But I believe you tuned in for a, for a, for a reason. You're tuning in be- and hearing this story because that pivot moment can be yours right now. Dr. One. When I hear your story, I think about people that were afraid to step into your world before you got into the prison system. Yeah. That could have saved the prison moment. Now, God is... He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. But I also think about what happened to all those Christians that were tough in the church. Oh, no. All the Christians that were prophesying inside. And I'm not downing it, Pastor. No, no, no. But I'm thinking about about they could could have saved you and I a headache. Totally. Because what happened in my life was a, a, a young girl. When I say young, I'm meaning young in spirit, young in Christianity, is my sister. She risks everything to step into my world. Yeah. Why are people in the church afraid to step into someone else's world outside of the church? Because when I hear your story, I'm thinking, man, where were they? Yeah. Where were the evangelists? Where were the teachers? Where were the prophets? Where were... And again, I'm not downing them. I, I'm just thinking. I totally understand. I understand what you're saying. Am I wrong by asking No, no. That? You're, I totally understand because I was in Texas. That That's what has me. I think we were talking before the show. Hey, you, you guys are doing all this stuff. I try to always find that divine appointment uh, on the daily, right? It could be the person in the elevator. It could be a person. I always used to ask this question. Because I was in the Bible Belt and nobody ever came to me. I look like the part of the drug dealer. I'm in small towns. I'm driving. They have all these churches. And I believe like we've fallen asleep. Like we we think that Jesus is just for us. Mm. And then for, for us to grow our family and us to grow. No, no, no. It, 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 it's always for you to have bare fruit so that others can eat from the tree that you've been eating from, right? So that, that's what it's really about, right? Other people getting saved. Anything that God puts in my hands is so that I could bless someone else and so on and so forth. But we've become, uh, there's a lot of churchianity, not enough Christianity. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I've never heard of that. A lot of churchianity, man, not enough Christianity. We're followers of Christ. Yeah. That's what compels us and gives us compassion to actually go into the streets. And I used to, so I used to always ask this question. I say, hey, I, I ask pastors sometimes even today, but I used to ask it a lot more. I say, look, I'll, if everything disappeared right here, right? Let's say this was your church. If everything disappeared, will the people just go, oh man, I think there was a da-da-da there. Yeah. Or will they miss you? Will they tear up? Ooh. Oh man, they're, they're not around no more. Where did they go? Yes. Right? And then the question is, and I tell them, say, I want you to call me and tell me, look, I'm going to give you this challenge, okay? And, and not because there's an outreach, but I want you to tell me the next time you see, you go to Walmart, you go to a place, and you see someone praying for somebody. And then the next question, if you don't see somebody, is, if, is that person you? Because you, you can go out right now. No outreaches, no nothing. Tell me how many people you're going to see in the supermarket like this. Exactly. You should at least see two a day, right? Because right? you're going to see somebody smoking. Yes. 
You're going to see somebody drink, right? Oh, man. You gonna messed some... up everybody's theology. <laughs> You're going to see somebody. So I think at some point, you got to start asking the question, are you part of the problem? Are you part of the problem? Do you, you know, we say we believe that God does all these things. Are you stopping to talk to somebody? You know, just, I think in the last few weeks, man, just in Walmart talking to this guy that, you know, he had just lost his wife. You know, so the comfort yeah. that he gets in the yeah. middle of a Walmart. Boom, we had church service. It's like five of us. Rah! You know, before you know he's crying, you know, you're going to get Jesus here whether you like it or not. Yeah. Right? We don't do that. Man. We don't do that. When we sold drugs, we, we it didn't matter if I was going to, Put a drug house in this neighborhood. It didn't yeah. matter what you said to me. That's it. I'm pushing it in there. That's it. We don't do that as, as I believers. I was thinking about it last night. I was writing chapter uh, one through oh, fourteen. You just brought pain right now. I, oh, <laughs> listen. Don't, if you're thinking about writing a book, <laughs> like, you better Lord. rethink that moment. <laughs> oh man. But I want to <laughs> tell you something. I was thinking about that because, oh man, the process. Yeah. You don't hesitate yet. When it comes to God, when it comes to godly things, we hesitate. Mm -hmm. What are people going to think? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm not called to do that. Mm -hmm. I think we have fallen in love. Doctor, I need your advice. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm the type of person that believed in the gifts of God yeah. and the callings of God. Yeah. And when I started in Christianity, I was building my ministry yeah. in the gifts and the calling of God, traveling all yeah. over the world, speaking to thousands of people, Come getting on. all these offers. Yet, when God spoke to me, he took me to Matthew chapter 7. Mm. Oh, I know my time is ending, but I got to go real fast. I had to learn how to align with the will of God. And I talk a lot about the will of God because you have to understand the gifts will never be taken away from you. Mm -hmm. The calling will always be there. Yeah. But if you are not aligning with the will of God, how important is it for us to understand the will of God in our lives? Super important. Because if you look at the book of James, when it talks about our desires, they're the ones that get us that gets us killed. That's what got us everything got us, right? It's not, we blame everything. And I love that you talked about the uh, the, the gifts because I love 1 Corinthians 12 all the way to 14. Like I've been hitting that hard because I think a lot of times one of our biggest problems in the body is that we're fighting about all these things and not oh. we don't want to operate out of the will of God. We say we are, but, you know, in 12 you see them, hey, pursuing the gifts, not desiring. It says desire the gifts, pursue love. Why? And the mistake is, that we think that love is the feelings and all that. Love is, I like to say, there's agape love, and then there's agapo, God's preferred choice. So when I choose one of God's preferred choice, I'm actually loving you. And when I do that, I have to crucify my flesh. Nobody's nobody's living the crucifixion. No. That's why they're not. Come <laughs> <laughs> ah, alive! You know, like, so So at 14, you just see yeah. 12 and 14. You see what's happening today. You know, if the big topic is, all of Jesus' ministry is deliverance. The whole thing. It's a progress, right? From front to back, everything is deliverance. Yeah. But we'll fight about deliverance. Yeah. And we'll fight about the prophet. And we'll fight about this. And it's like, dude, while we're here fighting, there's a lost and dying world. Go pray for somebody at the grocery store. That's it. Go, you know, go do something. And I, I think the will of God, the desire of God, the heartbeat of God, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he'll give us the desires of our heart. But that's the desires of heaven. Oh, man. That's, that's, nobody had to tell me, like, you know, when I got saved, and I came out of that cell. I, now, I was a little nervous to go at the table with other dudes, you sure. know, like, what up, about the, you yeah. know? Like, and the guy's like, ask them if they need prayer. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. 
Me? Uh, I don't know, Lord. You know, I, I could go joke with them, yeah. but I, I don't want to ask them if they want uh, prayer. So, so all of those things, though, they just, they, I started a, a tree. You know, yeah. we prayed by the tree, like, in there. And when I came out here, I haven't stopped. They used to say, you heard this one, hey, don't let your fire go out. Yeah. And, you know, I, yeah. I've, I've processed that for a while. And I'm like, if a fire, as long as it got something to burn, like, it just keeps going. It gets bigger. Yeah. It doesn't, your house doesn't get on fire and all of a sudden it slows down. They wouldn't need the fire department. That's it. Right? So I don't understand when people say, fire going on. If anything, you should get more fired up and more fired up. Now, probably you'll know how to contain it and where to put it. Right? Because you become more mature. You're not burning up everything. But, I mean, that's not even bad either, right? Oh, Listen, you got to hear more about this story. I want you to order the book. I'm going to put a link on the screen, Beyond the Yellow Brick Road. And I'm going to ask him on the second program, the inspiration to those beautiful red shoes. Come on. I'm telling you that. that I, I, You don't just wear that. You wear that unless you, you got a story behind it. <laughs> but unlocking the promise of God. I believe that if you don't have tools to help you unlock what God has given you already, mm. you're going to be staying frustrated and stuck. And, and, and all of a sudden, you're going to start becoming that bitter Christian and, and that Christian that becomes a fruit inspector. And always, mm. listen, stop. Stop it. <laughs> stop. Para. Ya. Estuvo. Ya. Basta. Someone said. Stop it. The key is God wants to have an intimate relationship with you. Christ, the will of God is all about relationship, then the gifts, then the calling. And I'm telling you, what I found in this story was an intimate encounter with Christ that allowed him to build on the gifts and the calling of God. Today, Dr. Juan is pastoring, and he's the founder of Wrapped in Love of Christ Ministry. He's a senior pastor of Get Wrapped Church in Spring, Texas. If you're around that area, I want you to go look him up, get involved with the ministry. But I'm telling you, if you don't have the tools available to help you unlock what God has for you, you're going to stay stuck and frustrated. You're going to be joining me on, on, on the second program. But real quick, can you pray for us? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I love what you were saying with the uh, knowing him. I, I have three words. I would say you got to sometimes we try to do all the gifts, but that doesn't happen until you know him. Then you grow in him, and then you glow in him, Oof. right? We can't glow without without growing, and we can't grow without knowing. But anyway, that's why you're right? a doctor. That's, <laughs> hey, I'm Doctor Love. And, hey, in Houston, I'm actually Doctor Love. Simple. He breaks nah, it down. Man. In the Greek and you got to do that when you when you're Puerto Rican <laughs> and you come from prison. You got to like be an overachiever. Uh, <laughs> Heavenly oh, Father, I, I thank you so much that for whoever is listening and watching God, that they would take this moment to invite you, Jesus, into their hearts, that they would invite you, that they would believe in you and confess with their mouth that you are Lord, and that from this day forward, they would just surrender and, uh, and be uh, ordered by your steps. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I want to thank my special guest today. He's going to be joining me next week for part two, and we're going to go deep on, listen, the key is this. When you find God, where do you go from there? Come on. How do you develop the gifts? How do you develop the call of God? But more importantly, how do you go back into the neighborhood that God saved you from? That's what I'm interested in. We can't keep going with the path of not going back where we come from mm. and helping people and minister to people. 
that there's different ways to minister to people nowadays with social media, television, all that. But still, the human contact, we still need one another. I want you to know this, that no matter what is going on in your life, remember that God is with you, God is for you, but you have to understand that you have to turn from your evil ways. Let God in your heart today. I have to go. I'll be back next week for more of Beyond the Yellow Brick Road with my special guest. Keep the faith. It's going to be all right. Bye-bye.